This is Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. Your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 75, doing a personal content audit for yourself and your club with our host, Kevin Oxner. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Toastcaster podcast for Toastmasters. We have a special and repeat guest on our show today, Kevin Oxner from Edmonton, Alberta, a good friend of mine. This is his fourth appearance on the podcast. I think he's probably still waiting to get paid, I would think. Kevin, weren't you? (laughs) (laughs) You know what, Greg? You you told me the check's in the mail, and I'm still waiting patiently. (laughs) Well, Kevin, Kevin's a former Toastmaster. You probably remember him for time blocking, visual productivity, and also his website, You're Making Me. Now, Kevin's been away for a while. He's been doing some really new and exciting things, and I... And I thought it's probably time to have him back on. So Kevin, what's been going on with you? Oh my goodness, Gray, what hasn't been going on? Uh, a year, about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, my family and I decided to move to Abu Dhabi, which is in the Middle East. And we went over there. My wife had a great teaching job over there and they have the same curriculum that they do in Alberta. So it was kind of a cool crossover and went over there for a year, did a ton of traveling, just exploring, had a, just had an amazing, amazing experience. So uh, after a year, we decided to come back, and now I'm just looking to um, change up a few things on my blog and get going again, and I got all sorts of cool things that I want to talk about today. So, As always, welcome to the show, Kevin. Now, it's interesting that you and I chatted for a while, and, and one of the things you shared with me is that you took, I think you said 30,000 photos while you were away. Yeah, and the reason why I know it was 30,000 is because the camera we have only, it wraps around every 10,000. So I wrapped the I wrapped the camera three times. My nephew actually told us, he bought us a camera before we left and said, I can't go with you, so I want you to take as many pictures as possible. And so we went and I made it my mission just to take a lot of pictures. And so we traveled to several different countries and I was taking a couple hundred a day. And it was, if you want, ever want to come over to, to watch some slides, Greg, we can, um, it'll take about three days, but we'll get through them all. <laughs> Wow, what a great nephew to have. But it was leading up to my point, the fact that you're accumulating lots of things. And and that's actually what we're going to talk about today. You shared with me a little while ago that you were going to be doing something, a you're going to be doing something called a content audit. And I thought that was actually quite fascinating. So why don't you just share, please share with us, what is a content audit and, and why did you start, why did you want to do it? Perfect. And you know, Greg, just to sort of jump back to the photos as well, uh, I actually took so many pictures because I actually have it on auto. So every time I take one picture, I usually take two or three. And the reason behind that was it's because I have kids. And so a lot of times kids are moving around, their eyes are closed, they're blinking. And if I can take two or three, I usually take the best out of those pictures. So that's the same kind of idea I think a lot of people have is they like taking a lot of information and they like just keeping it somewhere. When I looked at my blog, when I looked at all the information I had on my computer, on YouTube, on even on social media, I had a lot of stuff. And it wasn't necessarily all quality, but I had a lot of stuff. It's a technical term, stuff? It's a technical term. I think I've used that term on your podcast before, <laughs> stuff or something along those lines. Uh, you, but the, the thing is that I had a, all this information and it was important to me at the time that I created it. For me, though, the biggest thing is that the content that I had, maybe that I made three or four years ago, may not be relevant to what I'm trying to get across these days. So that's why I had. I wanted to go back, have a look at it, and make some pretty hard decisions on whether I wanted to keep it or do something else with that information. The bottom line is we all have tons of stuff, technical term, that's lingering on the web, whether it's podcasts or articles or posts or photos. There's just so much out there. 
what you're getting at in terms of saying a content audit is you want to go through and look at what you've got and perhaps repurpose things, delete things. What is this all about? Right, Greg. And what I did was I went through and, and I made four categories. I, and I'll just run through them quickly. The first one was leave it alone. Don't touch the content. Don't do anything. Number two is the content's good, but it needs to get reworked either with wording or adding better audio or, or adding pictures. Uh, number three would be to repurpose it. So taking that information and either making a podcast out of it, putting it into a book, but having it and moving it somewhere else, using that content for something different. And number four is the one everyone's scared of. I know number four is to delete the content. It sounds so much like a show I was watching on Home and Garden recently about decluttering your home or or maybe it was hoarders or something like that. But this is electronic hoarding, I guess. Now, Greg, I do want to say as a person who's been on your your podcast four times, I'm actually a little nervous talking about this whole <laughs> content audit because I might get audited out of your podcast. So I, I'm a little worried about that, a little concerned. Well, there's no immediate plans for deletion, <laughs> but you never know. Keep talking. <laughs> oh, great. Now, I'm just thinking about this. You've got it out there. These days, we have virtually unlimited storage. You can put stuff up in the cloud. I mean, is it really necessary to delete it all? I mean, why would you want to spend the time? I mean, we're so busy these days. Why would we want to spend the time doing that? You know, Greg, I think there's a couple of reasons why I made the final decision to go ahead and either rework or delete some of my content. And for me, it was a challenge. When I first heard it, I was probably like you and our listeners saying, no, no, just leave it up and don't touch it. Don't do anything. Greg, I think the first reason why a lot of people just think they don't want to delete the content is because they've already spent a lot of effort on it. The reason, well, I've spent three hours on this post. I put it out there. People might want to look at it. But I try and liken it to almost like car repairs. You know, sometimes I think we've all been there. We have this older car. And all of a sudden, you take your car in, and they tell you, oh, it's going to be 2000 to have the transmission fixed. I'm like, oh, okay, so you pay your 2000 You go in the next week, and they go, oh, it's going to be 4000 now to have the engine fixed. And this can keep going on and on and on. And I think a lot of times people make decisions that are emotional based on that, saying, well, I've already spent this much time or this much money on this, so I have to keep going. I have to leave it. And for me, it was breaking that cycle and saying, I need to look at this objectively. What I need to do is say to myself, if I'm a new customer, if I'm someone who wants to keep coming to my blog for the first time with fresh eyes, is this really a piece of content that I want to make my first impression? And in a lot of cases for the content that I had made six, seven years ago, it wasn't. It was no longer who I was or the I tried a few different writing styles and voices and it just wasn't working for me anymore. And so I had to make the hard decision to delete some of that content. The second reason is that people will say, well, if it's on the web, it's going to bring more people to my site. But my thought would be is that you have a lot of content out there. Perhaps some people have maybe bookmarked some of your posts or perhaps a little SEO in terms of doing a Google search because people will find you because it's been there for a long time. I mean, wouldn't that be one reason that you'd want to keep it there? Absolutely, Greg. And that's something you have to keep in mind when you're doing this audit. And I had a post, I went through each and every article and I went through my analytics and I saw how many people had read the article in the past year and how many had read it since I had written the article. And that was part of my whole, the whole package. I went through and I did line by line, I did an overall view of all of my posts and all of my videos. Now, what I found was that a lot of the posts that I wasn't really happy with, 
they didn't have that high viewership number anyway. There weren't that many people reading my post over the last year. So if I deleted it and then redirected that, that link, so I saw the link juice going to something that's related, then I'd be okay. Now, what I came to was one particular post I have has created a lot of, not problems, but I would say it's got me thinking. The most popular page on my entire site is a post that I, I wrote, I don't know, maybe it's five or six years ago. And it was something that I just wrote because I read on a site saying, you have to take a stand on an issue and kind of be edgy. And I, I wrote a post. And I don't know if I should talk about the post because I don't really want to have more people going to it. <laughs> okay. In any case, it's about um, calling people sir or ma'am. I wrote the post and I'm like, okay, that's it. It's done. But what happened was it blew up and then, I, again, I'm getting a lot of people coming. It's a really polarizing topic. So people are either saying, you're an idiot. You don't know anything. You, got, you're not, you don't show respect to anyone. Or people are saying, you're telling it right. It's not even what I talk about. It's not even what I speak about, what I write about. And so it's completely off topic from what I've got. But I'm getting you know, thousands, 10,000 people a month, whatever, coming to this, watching, reading this one article. And I don't really want them to because... It's completely irrelevant to what I talk about. So now the question is, how do I take that and either remove it or reword it or rework this post so that it's going to fit in? Or I mean, I, I may have to delete it. I don't even know, Greg. I'm still, that's the one post I'm still struggling with. I'm almost thinking maybe what you can do is do a follow-up to that post and, and use it as making a point in terms of, of what you're trying to do. And it's something that I can definitely look at as well. And I, I didn't know if I wanted to add any more fuel to the fire or or not. But it, unfortunately, it's not fading away like I was hoping it would when I you know wrote it all. Okay, so this isn't about coming up with definite answers. It's It's more along the lines of it's probably not a bad idea to try to find some time to go through some of the content that you have. And as you mentioned, asking those hard questions. Do I want to keep this? Do I want to delete it? Do I want to throw it away? Do I want to repurpose it? Right, Greg, and it's about looking at it, but also trying to take those ideas that you've already created a few years ago or a few weeks ago and put them in places that it can help help you succeed in the future. And that's also part of it. It's not just looking back, but also looking forward as you do this audit as well. Okay, so you're talking about your own personal content, but of course our podcast is for Toastmasters out there. And I'm thinking that there are probably a lot of clubs that have content that goes way back. And I know some of them might want to keep some for historical purposes. What are your thoughts with respect to maybe Toastmasters themselves or even Toastmasters clubs and their club websites? Sure, Greg. And I'll just talk about the individual Toastmasters to start with. And for me, a great example is I know back when I was a, just a new Toastmaster, first or second year, and I had this speech, and it was the first speech that I ever went to the district with. And I was so proud of it. And I thought, oh, this is the best speech ever. And I went back just doing, during my audit because I'd actually posted it on my site. And I went back and I said, oh, man, Kev, this, it's good. Good on you for doing this, you know, whatever it was, 13, 14 years ago. But I've changed. I've improved. And it's no longer who I am anymore. So even though you've created some content, you've written some speeches, some things may not be relevant, but sometimes they are. And that's why I have the, the redo feature, right? Where if you have some good ideas that you've written a few years ago, you can still take those and refine them. I use a program called YWriter and you can use whatever program you want, but I take all my information and I organize it within YWriter. And what it does is I take everything. I have a, a something for different, uh, different books that I'm creating or different ideas. 
I just copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste all of my content into that book. And then when I go ahead and I want to edit it, I have everything in one place. And I can make some more decisions at that point. So that's partly what I did during my audit. Is some things that I deleted, I copied and I pasted those into different projects so that it's not gone forever. It's going to come back maybe in the future as something, a different iteration of what I had worked on in the past. I was just thinking about what you were saying. I'm thinking back to uh, Darren LaCroix, 2001 world champion of public speaking, and his winning speech. And I remember on one of his DVDs, he had some outtakes of the original version of that speech. When you saw the speech in its infancy stage, it was totally different from the final product, which, of course, crowned him the world champion in 2001. Yeah, right, Greg. And as far as that, too, I do. I still keep a lot of the different iterations of the speeches that I've created. So I'll, if I have something that I wrote and then all of a sudden I've refined it and refined it again, I'll usually keep all of those in case I ever want to go back and just see how it got to that point or whatever. So, you know, what? I try not to be a pack rat, but some things I do keep. So that's an example of something that I would probably keep. Even a lot of times I've recorded the speeches I've given at the, the club, the area, and I will always keep each individual one just, again, just to look back and just say, hey, how did it go back on that exact day, on that exact year? So basically, if you're looking at doing an audit, even before you go to the four steps, you want to ask yourself why, really? Exactly. What's the purpose? Am I ever going to use this again? Can I use this somewhere else? Or is it just, do we just not need it anymore? Oh, you know me. I'm a I'm a pack rat at heart, so sometimes it's hard to to get rid of things and make things go away. Or every once in a while, I go back to the older older recordings. <laughs> I go, <laughs> "What was I thinking? What was I thinking?" So that's great for an individual Toastmaster. What about for clubs? The executive changes every year. Sometimes the dynamic of the club changes. How would you differentiate between, let's say, historical keeping things for historical purposes, or actually looking at the club itself? I think I would actually have two separate streams. If you want to have something that's just talking about the history of the club, that's one thing. If you want to have something about the inner workings of the club, I would keep that separate because I've I've seen several clubs and I know it, it's hard because it's almost like a paper producing machine or especially electronics. It gets easier to create more information than when there's so much, you can never find anything. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack by someone who's brand new So because so often – the Toastmasters on the executive might be someone who's been around for two days or a year. You know, it, it's not someone who's been around for 20 years and has seen all the information being created. They're new to the whole process. So that's part of why I would actually encourage a club to go through something like a content audit and say, how much of this do we need and how much of this do we need for next year when we pass it on to the following executive so they can walk in and get up to speed as fast as possible? True. I guess there's another issue that some clubs have, which is beyond the scope of this conversation, is the fact that sometimes the club executives are so busy that their websites aren't updated enough. So the only content up there is actually content that's pretty old. Absolutely. And that's that happens too. And partly it's, it's again, it's it's being busy. And also partly it's just sometimes someone's a, a real tech, you know, a real techie. And then all of a sudden the next year, someone just, they're not really into that. So then it's, it can fluctuate quite a bit. So that's why I think... Make it as simple as possible, but not too simple. We normally go through spring cleaning, but now that fall is upon us and snow is coming down in many parts of the world, it might be a great time to hunker down in front of the computer and start reviewing some of the content that you have. And you can probably apply some of this to your content on your hard drive as well and all the other files that you've got lingering around. Exactly, Greg. And instead of a spring cleaning, we can probably call it fallout. 
Is that oh. no? No. Oh, so, no. Oh, sorry. No, I'm, I'm, I apologize. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working hard to actually just keep reducing what I have on my on my computer so that when I need to find something, it's it's there. And I know the search functions on so many things are amazing these days. Just sometimes there's only so much you can keep. And so I think part of me is just uh, encouraging this to have a look and try and be as objective as possible. And in the end, you might not throw anything out. You might not delete anything, but at least have a look and maybe make some decisions about where the best spot is for something moving forward. Because there might be some extra speeches in there hidden in that that back content somewhere. Or some speeches that you have that you may have done a few years back. Now that you have more experience, you might be able to turn those around. And sometimes those are the best ones where you've had an experience and now you you can see how much better a speaker you are by how you're able to refine it and then deliver it in a, in a more powerful manner. So I would say that's an exceptional, exceptional use of that. I remember a friend of mine many years ago who had a friend named Bernie. And he always used to tell me that Bernie always used to tell him that we know we're, we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't do it. Now, something like this, it's probably a little tough to get started. So what I'm asking, Kevin, is... What would you recommend people to do in terms of preparing themselves for this? And is there a very basic process they can start to do it? I know you mentioned YWriter, and I know you mentioned the four audit components, but how would you recommend someone starting this? What I ended up doing was making an Excel spreadsheet. And it was as simple as going through, and I, it took me a while to get the different categories about on the top, but mostly I just took the, for my blog, I took the data was posted, I took the the title, the URL, I took... But then I also looked and I said, well, if I'm going to redo this, what actually, what specifically needs redoing? And so I went through and I ticked off every box. And so if you want, you can start by saying, hey, you know what? I have all this amazing content. How can I repurpose this to make it better? Or maybe have a book made or create a different video coming up or have a new speech. And so maybe phrase it in a nice way and then just sneak that little delete column on the end. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For me, I ended up deleting about a third, a quarter to a third of all my posts. I think it was 78 posts were deleted off my uh, my my website, which was a ton. But in the end, it's been really freeing for me, and I think I've, I'm doing a better job. Now, I still have a few dozen posts that have to get redone. So that part hasn't been started. That's kind of the where the... the the work actually begins for me. So I did all the easy stuff. I deleted all the posts... But there's still a lot of work left. So that's, it's really only the tip of the iceberg. It's only the beginning of a much longer process. But you've got to start it at least. If you don't start it, you're never going to get there. It's interesting. I was reading your post that you did about the content audits. And what I found interesting is that you had you had a listing for your videos and you had a listing for your posts. And when I did the quick math, each one roughly worked out to about a third. Did you have a goal of a third or were you just saying, did you just go through and categorize each one and said, okay, keep, 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 delete, redo, leave alone? I was really just trying to be ruthless. I'd said, is, if someone comes to my site, like I mentioned, if someone comes to my site and they, and they say, this is my first experience with Kevin, do I really, would, I, would I really want them looking at that video or what, reading that post and having that as my, their first impression of me? And for a lot of those videos, unfortunately, it wasn't the case. And you know what? I never did, I didn't do much writing before I started my blog. So I'm still working at being a better writer. And that's part of it too, is that the quality of the writing wasn't there. And even some of the videos, the quality of the lighting and the audio, just it wasn't it wasn't at a point where I said, I can leave this. I just someone just had to go. The content was great in some of them, but because of just how poorly it made me look, I just had to get rid of them. 
It brings up an interesting point because I'm thinking through the four. Of course, the number four is the most is the toughest one, the delete. But I'm thinking in terms of repurposing. There's two things that you can do there. I find repurposing really interesting because sometimes if you have content, you can repurpose it for a different reason. But in this particular case, not only can you repurpose it. Let's say you've got an, an article or a blog. Not only can you repurpose it in terms of doing text, but perhaps you can create an audio from it, or perhaps you can do a video of it. Plus, it's also an opportunity to take the skills that you've learned and apply them there. So there's also an educational component to repurposing your content. In the little section that I had for repurposing, I, I mentioned that, whether I want to take that information and repurpose it to just a different place altogether, or like you said, have a video, create a different place, just modify it somehow because there are so many different ways we can get our information out to people that that was absolutely a, a consideration as well as how else can I get this to people who might be interested in listening or watching it or using this information, consuming it. You can also bring it up to date. If you have something that you've written was maybe four or five years old, and in the case of gadgets and technology, sometimes last year's products are already in the museum. So repurposing can also give you an opportunity to bring it up to more current standards or maybe update some statistics. Or at least link, because I, I do have some of those is issues. And I've actually just gone ahead and I've made, I've left some of the original posts and then I've, I'm going to be linking to all the newest content. And also making a folder of that so that every time there's a new post added, I'll, I'll know exactly where to go so I can update those older posts to make sure it's always consistently linking to the most current information available. That's excellent. I'm also thinking sometimes every once in a while you run into a situation where it's like, okay, what am I going to write about? What am I going to speak about this week? What are we going to talk about? Oh, let's go to our repurpose file. There's got to be something there. Greg, I don't always agree with you, but I'm going to agree with you on this one here. And that's a perfect example of how you can take something that you've put there in a little bin and then use that whenever you say, hey, I've got nothing to write on. I can't do anything. I've got no speech topics. Oh, wait, I can go back to the repurpose folder and there's tons of stuff in there. Well, Kevin, this has been great. I mean, you've enlightened us once again. You, you've gone from time blocking to visual productivity and now to, to content auditing. So what are you working on right now? Got some cool stuff that I'm working on right now. What I've done is starting a couple of weeks ago, I've started with three challenges. So my three challenges are, one, I already speak Spanish, but I want to try and take it from intermediate to maybe higher intermediate. I'm actually going through and I've got a lot of techniques as far as how I'm, how I'm improving and I'm going to share those techniques. And whether someone's learning Spanish or a different language, I'm hoping a lot of those techniques will transfer over to taking things from, you know, 50, 60, 70 percent up to hopefully 75, 80, 90 percent. Uh, I'm also doing a running challenge and a, a writing focus as well. And for each of those challenges, what I'm doing is I'm taking visual tools like mind mapping, graphs, lists, and I'm showing how you can use those to actually get better results in your everyday life. So using real-world examples to show that it actually works. Kevin, share with us a little bit about the fitness thing because I'm, I'm quite curious. My fitness goal is going to be, my, I have a main goal and then I have some other kind of cool goals. Uh, the, the main goal though is to run 10 kilometers in 40 minutes. So running at four minute kilometers. Is that good? Now that's not really fast. It's not blazing fast. I'm not going to be in the Olympics next, next year or the next time it comes around. That's fast but, for me. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why, and I'll just tell you, I'm going to tell it in one second, I promise, Greg, is that back in the day, I think it was about 13 years ago when I first started, got into running. The reason I did is because one of my managers said, oh, it's pretty hard to run 10 kilometers in 40 minutes. And I said to him, yeah, right. I could do that tonight. 
And I, I went out that night, and it was actually a lot harder than, than it sounded. And so I actually went in and did a lot of training, and I, eventually I did it, but it, it wasn't an overnight thing. So that's why actually it's just kind of a, a personal goal for me, and I'm, gonna, I'm actually excited about going back and, and getting back into it. And I've set a goal. There's something called the hypothermic half. It's a half marathon that happens in, across Canada and some parts of northern the U.S. in February, and I will be racing in two of those races. There's two in Edmonton, so I'm going to take part in both of those races to try and prove that I can do 10K in 40 minutes. I was going to say, for those of you who aren't familiar with the geography of where Edmonton, Alberta, Canada is, it can get down to between minus 20 and minus 40 degrees Celsius. Burr. I was just thinking, Kevin, if my boss had given me that challenge and he was quite adamant about it, he didn't specify I would have to run. I'd probably just take the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Just hops on a moped and just take it on <laughs> just, spin around. Just hop on the bus. Kevin, so where can people get a hold of you? Where can people find out a little bit more about what you're doing? Yeah, I, I would really recommend you head over to visualproductivity.net. And from there, you can, if you want, you can sign up for my newsletter and just check it out and follow me along as I, as I go ahead and do this. Or I'm also obviously there on Facebook as well. I've got a Facebook page you can check out as well. And your Twitter handle? You know, I don't use it very often, which I should, but it's Uber Kevin, U-B-E-R-K-E-V-I-N. Kevin Oxner, it's been uber great to have you on the show once again. I'm glad you're working on some new and exciting things, and most likely we'll probably continue this tradition and maybe have you on after another 20 episodes. All right, I'll see you in 20 episodes. Kevin Oxner, it's been a pleasure. Great, thanks, Greg. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies, a new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.